What are our strengths and talents and assets now? This is why we live in a void for a season. And this is where the void begins. But I do want to encourage you. This moment has more potential than any other moment in the cancer process. Hello and welcome to Adventures with Scars. I'm your host, Lauren Huffmaster, and this is a discussion about the typical emotional response to cancer. The first part of our season is talking about what do the emotional side effects of cancer look like? What are they? And now we're talking about what is the healing process uh, from cancer feel like? What stages do we go through as we heal from cancer? And we're not talking about healing the body. We're really talking about healing the emotions, our relationships, our heart, our spirit. These are things that are much harder to define, a lot harder to pinpoint exactly what we should and should not be doing. But through my own seven years of living with cancer and the hundreds of people who have told me their stories, I have found the same rhythms through every story, through the lives of the people who are recovering from cancer. And from these experiences, I've created this philosophy around healing from cancer. Last week, we talked about mountains on fire. And I told you a story about my own life. One time when my family had to get evacuated from our home in the middle of the night because of a fire that was threatening our home. We grabbed everything that was meaningful to us. We threw in our dog into our car and we drove through flames to get out of our home and now into a place of safety. That is a mountains on fire response. There is a, an urgency. You know that you have to do exactly what is necessary to save yourself and those you love and you take action. You move. The next phase, you're driving down the road. You don't know where you're going. You don't know how long you'll be there, what will happen if your house burns down. You don't have a plan for the very next moment because during the mountains on fire season and the moments of that, your only impulse is to get to safety. And that mountains on fire moment is really the treatment process. And that treatment process is when the trauma is still happening. You're still in this traumatic moment where you need to get yourself out to safety. But in that season, in the treatments, you're not planning about what comes next. You're not thinking about your life as a whole and how it's shifting and changing because of this trauma of cancer. You don't begin to think about that until you get to this next season of healing, which I call the void. In my opinion, the void starts after treatment ends. And I believe this is the most difficult part of the cancer ex experience. Um, the void is the beginning of life post-cancer, post that trauma. You've shifted everything. You've dropped your schedule, probably dropped work, dropped responsibilities in order to make space for treatments. And then one day the treatments end. And you step out of that cancer center and into the parking lot and you look out and you say, now what? Who am I? What do I do? How do I spend my time? What am I supposed to be doing to continue to get stronger and fight this cancer? Yesterday I had cancer and I needed treatment. And then today I had this last treatment and I'm done. What do I do next? This is where the void begins. It's the first season of survivorship that occurs in these first moments after treatment. 
During treatment, all your strength is focusing on surviving and moving through your calendar and recovering as soon as you can so that you can start that next treatment. And then one day you ring that bell and get a certificate of completion. Someone declares that treatments are over and now you are a survivor. The question is, what do we do next? This is the beginning, not the end. This first year after treatment is a time of realization. Since you heard the words that you have cancer, your mind has been in crisis mode, nonstop with no breaks. And now for the first time, you can stop and take inventory of what a survivor's life feels like. As I said, this is the most challenging moments, the beginnings. There's no team at your side to tell you what to do next. Your family expects you to start being stronger and getting back to your quote, normal self. And yet you're raw, you're broken. Your life has been shaken and shattered and you haven't got a clue who your normal self should be. Cancer made sense as long as there was a plan. The nurses and techs helped you understand what you were going through, but now there's no oncology team or professionals at your side. You're alone. You're without direction. And as you stand in that parking lot after your last treatment, you look around at the friends in your life who spent the last year or so while you were in treatment continuing in their life. The activities that you used to partake in, those kept going without you. And so a lot of these tre- these cycles, these patterns in our life have continued while we step to the side. This pre-cancer identity doesn't always feel like something we want to catch up with. We may not want to jump back into the exact routines we had before. Because through cancer, we have been shaken. We have been broken. Our identity has been broken. And so our strengths are not the same as what they were before. Our weaknesses are not the same as our pre-cancer self. And yet we haven't had the time to take inventory of what we have, what are our strengths and talents and assets now. This is why we live in a void for a season. This is where the void begins. But I do want to encourage you. This moment has more potential than any other moment in the cancer process. I know it is uncomfortable, but it is an opportunity to begin life with a clean slate. Your routines are gone. A lot of your responsibilities are probably gone. Life has slowed down due to your cancer and you can decide how to start again. I know it doesn't feel good. It feels very isolating and uncertain, but it also is filled with potential. Now is an opportunity to live an intentional, purpose-filled life. Now, many people just feel the uncomfortable and they want out of the void as soon as possible. I get it. I get it. It's like your natural response. If we feel discomfort, we try to change it, get rid of it, try something different. But I'm telling you right now, please don't do that. The void is your key to a fulfilled life. This is the the beginning of where the gift of cancer can emerge. The treasures that you have created in yourself in the last year of treatment This moment is when we start to dig them up and see what has changed inside of us. Let me tell you a story. I live at the end of a long road and we bought our home because 
We are an hour from fantastic opportunities in the San Francisco Bay Area, but we also appreciate the cow fields surround our homes. We like balance in our life, and both my husband and I grew up on farms. So after six years of living at the edge of the Bay Area, they started to build subdivisions all around us. These undeveloped fields started becoming houses. I told my girls that our town's only hobby was digging in the dirt because we've watched so many subdivisions begin and they always take longer than expected. At first, they level the ground and then it seems like these dirt lots just sit and sit and sit. It appears like nothing is happening at all. In reality, electricity, plumbing, internet, even the home's foundations are being prepared during this dormant phase. Everything that makes a house solid and engaging is established in what seems to be a stagnant and inactive season. Of course, we can see this in nature as well. Farmers who put seeds underground and then wait and wait and wait until that seed bursts forth. The void is like this season, the time when the seed is underground or a foundation is being laid for future years. By not rushing through this season, you're reestablishing your life. The void allows you to build a foundation that will provide strength. It's a season that lets you process the disappointments, the hurts of cancer. And though you may appear dormant to those who pass by you, you are ensuring that you have healed emotionally and physically. Without the season of healing, you will always have cracks in the foundation of your life. Yet it is so common. It's like most people want to just push through this. They have no idea what kind of impact cancer has had on their life until they continue to move forward with no foundation of healing. I've met with dozens of people who decades after their cancer experience are still walking around with the same hurts. They will tell me, honestly, the minute my treatment was over, I jumped back into a life that kept me busy because I never wanted to think about cancer again. Yet, in fact, they do nothing but think about cancer. (laughs) Their wounds have not been healed. And so those wounds, one way or another, continue to impact their life choices. This is not what a healthy healing process will do. A healing process will empower you to stand in strength and not be reactive to the pains, the disappointments, the fears of cancer for the rest of your life. It's so common that when you finish treatment and little hairs start popping out on your head, like they did on me, that everyone in your life gets excited for you to return to the person you were. If you have hair, then it feels to others that you must be well. You must be getting strong again. You must be ready to go back. But nothing could be more wrong. When treatment ends and your hair appears on your head, the most challenging part of the cancer experience is beginning, not ending. It's then and only then that the patient can begin processing all that has occurred. What has cancer's impact been on my life? This is such a huge question because as we're walking through cancer treatments, we don't realize how cancer impacted our parenting style, our our marriage, our sexual life, our finances, our day-to-day, our expectations, our, our deepest desires and dreams. Cancer is impacting all of these things and so much more, yet we don't realize it in the moment. It's only when we try to go back and fit into that old mold of our life that we realize it's not a good fit. 
We're just not that person any longer. Now, I don't want to scare us off when I say we're not that same person. The truth is we are more ourselves than ever. A person who has gone through the treatments as a patient and steps into the brand new survivorship, this brand new early light of survivorship, that person is more truly their own self than ever before because all the expectations of life have been stripped away. We're not trying to be as good as our neighbor or as or as good at the gym. We're not trying to live up to someone else's expectations of us. We are only ourselves. And in that moment, a lot of our identity has been stripped away, but not the part that accurately represents us. Only the perceptions that we have taken upon ourselves have been removed. There are no real perceptions, maybe, on a person, expectations for you as a cancer patient, except that you're probably going to be bald no matter what kind of cancer you have, and that you're probably going to be tired and sad. All those billboards with bald, tired, sad women on them teach people that that's what they should expect from us. But besides that, no one has expectations of how you should be responding to them or life or anything. And so the perceptions of us have been dropped to the side in so many ways. We can strip off every layer that is not truly us. The core of your person remains that because that can never be shaken. And in this voided moment, you may not have a busy schedule and your phone may not ring every day, but you're sitting there with the truest version of yourself that you've probably seen in a long time. That is the beginning. I know it's scary. It feels empty, but it's not. It is pure. Your life has been purified. You've you've left out all the garbage and and all of the other things that have filled your life that have diluted the pure essence of who you are. All of that has been squeezed and stripped away from you through the cancer experience. And what you're left with is just you. It feels very uncomfortable, I know, but it is beautiful. The key is in this moment to not quickly take on the expectations, the perceptions of others, to sit in that moment until you know who you are, you know what you want. You have to sit with this this pure essence of you that's very raw and unprocessed, but it is a treasure. It has been dug up. It has been unearthed. It is right there for you to see. This treasure, this gift of cancer is the most valuable thing we can take from our cancer experience. Now, for some people, it means they step out of their cancer treatments and their priority is spend more time with family. And some people, they have a legacy they want to leave, a dream, you know, and they get busy doing that. But the actions that we take are not us. The essence of ourselves is something we have to be reacquainted with. Even if you are a very intentional person and you always have been, life clutters your mind. It clutters your time. It clutters yourself. And this moment, this void season is a moment for you to take an honest look at yourself and remember who you are and who you always wanted to be. It's hard to sit still. Doing nothing can sometimes be the most difficult thing to do. But as we spoke in the last episode about the healing process, rest 
is necessary for healing. And though you probably slept more during treatments than you ever slept before, you did not rest. Your mind could not rest because you were in the middle of a traumatic experience. The void, this is the beginning of rest where you take the person that you are and allow that person to emerge from the dirt like a beautiful, fragile sprout that's growing and we don't even know what kind of plant it's going to grow into. But that seed has been sitting inside of you for so long. And right now in this moment, all the debris that piled up on top of that seed has been removed and it has the chance to emerge. It is tiny and fragile, but it is a treasure, is an opportunity. And this is what the void can create. In my personal cancer experience, I didn't have time to experience this void season after my stage three treatments. I had a few wrap-up surgeries, and then without a break, I was instantly diagnosed with stage four metastatic cancer. And when I was diagnosed with this cancer, I felt like I was moving through a fog. I was disconnected from everyone, and nothing really seemed to matter anymore. Every time I said goodbye to someone, it felt like the last goodbye. I didn't feel connected even to myself. My future had this looming experience where pain would be experienced on top of pain and disappointment and loss. And this was going to be the cycle of my life. Every event I could not attend felt like a stabbing knife reminding me of what I'd been missing out on all the years past and then what I would be missing out on forevermore. There was only cancer and the hurt it created in my life. I remember a Christmas when our extended family watched Dan in real life. It's a movie about a family um, and a man who had lost his wife. He was raising his three girls and falling in love again for the first time. I left that room and wept because everything I saw during this season, this void moment seemed to remind me that I was going to die and everyone else would go on living. It was the most challenging season of my life. I had been stripped clean of life and had then been put on top of that, a metastatic terminal disease. I had no identity except for cancer, and cancer meant I was going to die. I couldn't continue to be the person I was going to be before my diagnosis, and I didn't know if I wanted to be this person that I had become with my diagnosis. One day I went to the grocery store and I saw a woman I knew and she looked up from her cart and her grocery list and saw me and quickly turned away and went down the next aisle. I knew that no one in my life really knew what to say when they saw me. And this added another layer of mourning that I had to process. I asked a friend to make me some t-shirts that said things like, nothing impossible, even the world itself says I'm possible, which is a quote from Audrey Hepburn. And then I had another shirt that says, storms make trees take deeper roots, which is a quote from Dolly Parton. But I really created all of these shirts that said, I am going through some hard things, but I am not done. I'm not dead. I don't want to lose my hope. I wanted people to think about something other than cancer. Maybe they had a moment, a storm in their life, where they knew that their life took deeper roots and became stronger because of it. Maybe if I can make that connection in other people, they wouldn't turn their back on me and walk away. The season was terrible and hopeless for me. Then one day in the depths of my heart, I chose to hope despite all evidence against me. I decided to hope and started declaring hope to anyone who would listen. I didn't have any proof that told me I was hoping in anything good. There was no change in technology or medication. 
It was simply a change in my heart. I had to put my life and hang it on something other than despair because if I didn't, I would truly be lost. I was at a cancer conference and my statement of hope gripped a man who was running a booth. He listened to me and found my words revolutionary. They were revolutionary to me too. I was finding something to believe in. And I found that speaking hope in hopeless situations felt liberating, not just to me, but to everyone who listened. And this became my turning point. I had a revolutionary seed that could take me forward to a different future. It was fragile and small, but I had felt the possibility of it and I didn't choose to turn back. This seed became adventure therapy. It became my voice. It became my statement of hope and irrational optimism. It taught me to declare that anything can be. We can make a different future for cancer and for anyone who's diagnosed with this disease. Hope was a worthy word to stand on. It was strong enough to hold up all my fears. It was strong enough to hold me when I had no direction forward. All I had to do is choose to look toward hope. Fear makes our life feel very small. It it puts blinders on us and makes us stare down the one thing we're most afraid of. And hope really gives us the opposite experience. It opens our eyes, gives us a peripheral view that allows us to see there are so many potentially good things out there for me. There are good things in my life every single day. They may not be what I expect. They may not fix all my problems, but I can hope for good things in my future and not live in disappointment. Hope became a word and it has gotten me really far along. If I had lived in despair, I would not be here today talking. If I lived in despair, adventure therapy would not have been created and we would not have served hundreds of families. Hope created a way forward. You might know I walked the Camino de Santiago this summer in Spain and on that walk, there is a phrase and I don't know it exactly, but the idea is there is no path created for us. The path is made in the walking. I think this is hope to find. There is no path forward for you that I can tell you. I can't tell you what to do today and tomorrow when you're in this void season. I don't know what's right. There's no method, but you will find that there is a path forward that you will make in the process of walking it out. Every day that you wake up and choose to see the day in a filter of hope, at a perspective of hope, you are creating a new path. It is easy to fear. And I tell you, it doesn't take as much effort to live in fear. Fear comes naturally. It's like giving up. It's like laying on the couch all day watching Netflix. Doesn't take much. The shows will just keep on coming. Hope requires that we do something. We take action. It requires that we push through the fog and push through the waters that seem to pull us back. But hope takes us somewhere and takes us somewhere we want to go. When I made this choice to live in hope, I really had to look into my future. Living in hope was not the easiest thing for me that day. But I would, when I looked forward in my life for five years, I said, who would I want to be in five years? And I really tried to envision myself living for five years in fear and despair of my disease when I thought about what would I do with that mentality? What would I create? What would be the testimony of my life or the fruit of my existence? I didn't find anything that I really liked in that picture. And then I looked in the future and I thought, if I lived in hope, if I set aside fear of everything, because if I can set aside fear of death, then I can pretty much set aside fear of anything else at all. 
And so if I look forward in my life for five years and think about what would be the testimony of my life if I chose to boldly live hopeful, my picture in my mind exploded with so many beautiful things. There are so many happy moments and moments of potential. The legacy of my life would be significant. Even if I only had five years, hope gave me a future and I made the path by walking it out. I hope that my walking can create a path that you can follow. I hope that by daring to believe for myself, you can choose to dare to believe for yourself as well. As you walk out your path of hope, others will watch you. You won't know it for a long time. But people want to know if my life hits a low moment, if I have to live through trauma, what can I experience? What can I expect? If you can choose to walk out your traumas in hope, they will believe the same for themselves. You will create a path, even if it's a tiny trail, that others can find and follow. Hope is easily multiplied just the same way as fear is. But hope leads us to a different end, one that we can be proud of. To live in the season of the void feels very empty and yet strangely full. It's valuable, even if there's not much there to show for it. Please, as you end your treatments and enter early survivorship, even if you've been out of treatments for years and years, but don't feel like you've ever truly healed from the experience, give yourself permission to explore these ideas, to rest, to sit in a void season where your life isn't so full that you have no time to think. Take this opportunity to see what did cancer leave me with? What was unshakable in my life? Who was still there? Who was unshakable in their relationship with me? Find the treasures of your life there and begin to start a new pursuit. Thank you for joining us on Adventures with Scars. We hope that this is valuable and encouraging to you. Continue to follow us and download these episodes so that we can keep making more lessons on the typical emotional response of cancer and the healing from it.